welcome to the Executive Real Estate Investing Show. This podcast is for you, the busy business owner or executive looking to create generational wealth. Here, we're going to show you how to do that through real estate investing, from multifamily to industrial and everything in between. You will become a real estate investing expert. And now, here's your host, Michael Holman. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Executive Real Estate Investing Show. As always, I'm your host, Michael Holman, and today is going to be a fantastic show. We have a very, very active real estate operator who actually started off uh, as a doctor, a cardiologist. He went from cardiology to preventative cardiology to 75% of his time is now in real estate, and he's going to walk us through that transition is going to walk us through a lot of the steps. You know, he's actually building this business. um, And I think a lot of it is going to be very relatable to those of you who are currently working real estate or others at building a business and trying to scale and get to the next levels. So this is going to be a fantastic show. Before we get into the executive tip, I want to encourage everyone, if you have not gone on and subscribed to this podcast, now is your time to do it. Go into Apple Podcasts, go into Spotify, go to wherever you listen to your podcast and hit subscribe. We are getting some of the most phenomenal real estate minds to come on this show. And guess what? The cool part about this is they're not only giving you their real estate tips, they're also helping you understand how they grew their business, right? We're getting into their minds. And so even if real estate, you're saying maybe real estate's, you know, something that's not necessarily I can do right now. I'm so focused on this business. You are going to get a lot of value from hearing how these people are working to grow their business. And it is very relatable to you, no matter where you're at in business as a business owner or as a business executive. So there's been a lot of really great guests. There continues to be more guests and we have a fantastic lineup coming forward. So highly recommend time to hit subscribe. We love ratings. We love reviews. Go on there, leave us some. We'd love to hear from you. Also go check out the website, executivereishow.com. A lot of great resources there. You can sign up for the newsletter. You can make sure that you get into where you go listen to the podcast. You can see all the episodes that we've had. You can access the YouTube videos. We've done some of the whiteboard stuff. So if you, uh, if you haven't seen those, those are phenomenal, right? I really love getting up there. There's something that just about getting on the video, watching the video and writing out what's happening in a transaction or what is happening that you're trying to teach. It's a great way to do it. So go check it out, executivereishow.com. Today's executive tip as we get into this is don't allow yourself to get analysis paralysis, right? And combined with that means you have to have a level of confidence in yourself and what you're doing. And so the idea is once you establish a baseline, once you establish a level to say, You know, I've learned all that I can learn through reading, through podcasts, through videos, through mentorships. At that point, don't allow yourself to back out of a situation unnecessarily, right? I I see it all the time. People just get this analysis paralysis. They do all this work. They spend, you know, hundreds of hours. They get right up to the edge of the cliff and then they back out. And and what I'm telling you right now, don't allow yourself to get the analysis paralysis. Vikram actually is going to talk about that in this episode. 
And he, he gets very specific into all the things that he's been doing to make the leap from being a doctor to getting into real estate. So this is going to get a great episode. We're going to get right into it right now. And we have a very, very exciting guest with us today. He has been everywhere, I feel like. I feel like every time I turn around, I see him. His deals that he keeps doing just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, the last deal was was really impressive. So today we have with us Vikram Raya. Uh, we'll just call him Vic for this show. So he's he's given me that permission. Uh, but Vic has done some amazing things. So he's actually the CEO for Viking Capital. He's also the founder and CEO of Limitless MD and Vitology. Did I say that right, Vic? Absolutely, Michael. Good to see you, buddy. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you for being on the show today. Vic, why don't you, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, I'm what I call a recovering cardiologist. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, it was, it was a passion of mine to learn about health and wellness. And, and I got into medicine and, uh, uh, you know, it was exciting. And I had people in my own family who almost dropped it dead in front of me. And that's what like, all right, I got to figure this out. Uh, while I was in uh, fellowship training, I was like, yeah, I, I wanted to diversify. Maybe, you know, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I was like, how do I get on that right side of the quadrant he's talking about? <laughs> All right, let me try options trading. Got my butt handed to me. All right, I started, I started like a medical temp agency. That was good. We got some little profit out of it, but I'm like, okay, you're going to retire me. All right, let's do real estate. Okay, so how do I do real estate as a full-time doctor, full-time cardiologist? I got two kids. I got... My wife's a physician and we're running around crazy, got soccer practices, right? So how do we do this? And then, um, you know, I just started like sort of sneaking off from work early and going to these like RIAs, you know, and real estate yep. clubs and playing cash flow board game with everybody and trying to learn. <laughs> then I'm like, all right, let's go wholesaling, right? <laughs> and then that last... So yeah. it's, it's the classic first step. It's always flip or wholesale is always the first step you hear from somebody. Right. And I don't know who came up with this thing to teach everybody wholesaling, but it, I, I, I guarantee it only works for like 20% of the population. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's not, it's, it's too crazy. So uh, I was like, how can I, in the middle of my lunch break, go fax like 20 offers to random brokers, you know, and hopefully I can win like the uh, game of attrition, you know, and win one deal. So I was like, all right, something's got to give, what do I do? Okay. Fix and flips, but I can't afford DC, Virginia, Maryland, too crazy expensive. Let me go out in Atlanta. So my dad lived in Atlanta, so I did it remotely, and we just started doing some fix and flips. My first home. Uh, oh, I, by the way, I bought a lot of dumb things I shouldn't have bought. I bought a course called Filthy Riches, <laughs> and it was like this guy teaching how to buy these like you know ugly homes that no one wants. And this was in like 2012, so relatively yep. good market, right? So our first home was eighteen thousand dollars. We put in like twenty thousand dollars of renovation. That's how bad it was the home. Yeah. And we ended up selling for like 68,000. I was like, all right, this is good. Let's go, you know? And uh, we built a portfolio about 30 homes. Uh, but I was like, man, I, I, if I want to do something beyond medicine, I got to have scale. And that's when I thought about, uh, I, I went to a, a lecture by this guy talking about multifamily syndications and the light bulbs came on and I was yep. like, all right, let's do it. But then, you know, as you know, Michael, you tell me this, but uh, you know, real estate's sort of a team sport. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, I talk about this quite extensively. In fact, I mean, I I've been recently, I was on uh, Whitney Sewell's podcast. Uh, I was just on Yona Weiss's podcast 
And a lot of times the conversation that, that we have surrounds around those partnerships. Cause that's, that's how, you know, my personal real estate business, that's how we built it. Right. I mean, we, we designed it specifically to be really good at, at a certain aspect of real estate, for example, and we go out and partner with other people. So we're, we're almost always a part of a bigger team. So absolutely team sport. Exactly. So, you know, uh, when you're playing the single family game, it's sort of like you sort of you versus the world. It's like, all right, let's play the bigger game. And so I, I found a buddy of mine who, uh, you know, like he was a buddy. He was like sort of my wife sort of setting us up. It was like a first date. Like she kept on talking about this guy at work who's a doctor also, who's also in real estate. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, he's probably not as cool as me, right? And then, and then like, uh, and then she goes like, yo, you got to meet this guy. I'm like, whatever. And then, so then I, I, I get to hear that he does some things I'm interested in. So I have done tough mutters and Spartan races. And then this guy's done. I'm like, okay, he's, this, he's starting to annoy me. I don't even know him. And then he's like, oh man, this guy's like, he's actually working only part-time because his real estate income is covering some of the expenses. I'm like, all right, this is getting interesting. And so I go to pick up my kid at daycare and, and, and this guy walks out and it's the same guy that she's telling me about. And we actually hit it off. And now I'm like, hey, you know, you're doing a lot of things I'm doing you know, would you be interested in talking about maybe growing something bigger? He's like, what? Like, I want to buy a hundred unit complex. He was like drinking his coffee, almost spit it out. He's like, are you freaking crazy? A hundred, there's no way. There's absolutely no way. Like, what are you smoking, dude? And then I was like, look, there's a way to do this. Uh, it's called syndication. He goes, that's illegal. I'm like, no, no, it's illegal. And so, and so, so we, we figured it out. We started a company and we're like, you know, we're both of Indian or origin and so we're like oh what, what, what do we call the company we're like oh should we call it like cardamom capital or tea kill or like what do we call it saffron capital he's like dude those are those are lame i'm like all right let's go let's go <laughs> let's go all masculine let's go alpha viking capital man i'm like all right i love it so that was the launch of viking capital and and what we realized was we were surrounded by high income professionals who don't know what to do with their money and and, and you know the, the joke goes most physicians are horrible investors. And it's, it's pr relatively true, right? Uh, it, it's not their fault. They're very intellectual. And because they're intellectual and they're so focused on one thing, they either don't have the skill set or the knowledge or they, they think they're too smart and then they make mistakes because of hubris. And so we, we've been, our goal is to sort of help them help ourselves and really grow this company. And so we, our first deal, we sort of JV'd with other groups and just got, you know, got the feel for it. But after that, we, our, our first deal was in 2016, uh, Michael. It was a... 118 unit uh, in Atlanta in the South side. And we bought it for 5 million. Uh, and, um, you know, it was exciting, um, but we realized we made a mistake. The deal next to it was a, a, a entirely vacant. It was a 62 unit, but it was a condo. Someone had converted from apartments to condos, but now it just, it was just went bad. Mm -hmm. There was like prostitutes and there's crime. And it was like, we put so much energy and time into this one. It was ruining us. And so we thought, all right, what do we do? We can't even bring investors to that one. It's like vacant, right? How do we? So we ended up essentially buying it from six different owners' condos, reconverting into apartments, and then figuring out a way to zone them together as one unit. And then we ended up selling the whole thing. And all told, we had put in about eight million to do the whole thing, and we sold it for thirteen million within two years. Whew, that's so awesome. That was that was like all right. There's something to this, and so. That's when I started getting confidence. Hey, maybe I can start backing up on my work. I went from five days a week because I know, uh, Michael, you got you have executives listening to this show. You got you know you got business owners. You got real estate investors. 
how do how do they eventually let go of the W two and, and 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 go to the holy land of the K one? Right? How do you do that transition? Yeah, and it's like it's that it's the slow wean. You you don't want to risk your mortgage and your house and your marital status by like hey. Hey wife, I'm gonna, you know, become a full-time real estate investor. Great. Uh, <laughs> well, like, how, how are you gonna do that when you have a mortgage to pay, right? So, we did it in a gradual way. I went five days and four days and three days. And I'm like, you know what? I, I think I can do this, you know. And um, it was cool. Um, you know, 2018, uh, I had just turned 40, and that was that was my goal. I was like, by the age of 40, I don't want to make clinical. I don't want to make my my money come from medicine. I want it to come from someone something else and clinically retire. But I, it was a label enabling me to do some things I love. So I, obviously 75% of my time, Michael, I'm, I'm doing real estate, which is, you know, my favorite asset class is multifamily, obviously, but awesome. You know, we've been before the, before the call, we we're chatting about development and you're going to be excited about that. And, <laughs> um, you know, I like industrial, I like all these other things, but you know what, uh, what I've learned is whatever I touch turns to gold, but the caveat is I got to touch it long enough. And Earlier in the game, Michael, I made some dumb mistakes. I, I thought about CBD. I thought about hemp farms. I, yeah. I thought about like self-storage and I was doing all sorts of things. And it was not until I, I buckled down and just let me create a system. Let me create a rinse, rinse and repeat system, a scalable system, a system that eventually I can bring other people into and, and grow this thing. And so once I did that, that's when we really took off in multifamily. That is, that is awesome. And there's a lot of little things in there. The first question I have to ask, I'm going to go back to something you said right at the beginning, because just because I'm interested, to be honest, at this point, you had talked about, you decided to go into medicine because you would watch people literally like collapse in front of you. If I, uh, if I, I mean, if you're okay, I, I, what in the, like, that sounds like a big turning point in your life. Like what, what happened? I mean, that's not something that normally happens in somebody's life. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, uh, in my family, I, I had my, my grandfather, uh, both my grandfathers, two uncles, some aunts, and then, you know, they were in India, which, you know, so it was still meaningful, but yeah, it was, it was tragic. But what was, well, what really shook my core was, uh, and what actually allowed me to leave traditional cardiology and become more of a preventive cardiologist and actually re- try to help people beyond just pills is, uh, you know, it was my son's first birthday. We were in, uh, my dad flew up from Atlanta. We were in, in at, at this um, restaurant. We're all celebrating. We're giving a toast, uh, you know, for, for the birthday. And, and he was raising his glass and he started shaking. His, his glass started shaking. I thought he was just drunk or something. And mm-hmm. he, he started waving back and forth and, and then he just collapsed in front of us and oh we had to goodness. call the ambulance and then we rushed into the hospital. And then, you know, after a couple of days of testing, they found him to have a hundred percent blockage of two of his arteries. And I was like, Oh my goodness, this is, this is on my watch. And I was like, I can't let this happen. And so I'm like, look, he was taking the pills. He was taking the meds. He was doing everything that he was supposed to do. I'm like, there's gotta be something more. And that's when I learned something called functional and integrative medicine, Michael. This is, this is medicine where you're essentially using lifestyle to turn genes on and off in your body. The epigenetics, they call it. You're using um, cutting-edge biomarkers. So the, when, I, when I go now evaluate a person who wants their, to take their health to that next level, whether it's an executive, a CEO, an athlete, yep. I, I'm taking them through a different profile than their traditional doctors do. Their doctors do about seven... 10, 12, 15 tests. I do about a hundred. And on these, I'm able to predict cancer. Now I'm able to predict heart attack. I'm able to predict dementia. And for the people who have the dad bods, 
we're able to take them through a program within 60 days, 90 days, and they have a six pack or they're like phenomenal health. And so this has been my new passion. And I do this sort of on the side, you know? That's, that's hilarious. I, uh, talking about those dad pods, I might be, uh, I might be signing up for your program <laughs> here to, uh, not too long. There's uh that's, that's, a, well, that's, no, that's an awesome story and awesome background, right? I mean, those, it's kind of funny how you go through life and you have those aha moments. I think all of us, especially um, those, you know, the high performers, the businesses, the, the business owners, the people who, who aspire to be that one day, oftentimes have sort of this moment uh, that might not be as dramatic as the one that you experienced, but a moment in, where they say, you know what? this isn't necessarily the life I want to live. This is the life I want to live and I'm going to get there. Right. And it, and it almost is like a switch that just sort of turns on for people. And sometimes it's a big extravagant moment. Sometimes it's a little moment. That's just a lot of little steps, but that flip, that switch gets flipped and, and they move forward. So that's awesome. But one of the things I want to talk about is, I mean, you made this huge transition, right? I mean, you went, you spent Probably I would. Hey, yes. hey, Michael, can I can I can I stack on what you just said? It was just so amazing. Yes. What you just said I, I love it. So uh, a lot of you, I, I, I'm assuming the people who listen to the your, your podcast are the same people who may know about a guy named Ed Milet. He's a you know he's a very popular podcaster. He's mm -hmm. also a super successful businessman, net worth a hundred, couple hundred million dollars. He's sort of like the same you know Grant Cardone, Tim Ferriss, all, all these big guys, right? Yeah. So. I was listening to Ed's show and what you're saying exactly makes sense. They, they, these executives, like what I, what I believe everyone's looking for is, is energy. Energy is the new currency. If you want to be successful in business, you have to have the energy, the stamina and the endurance. And, and what, you know, on Ed, Ed Milet's podcast, he said something profound. He goes, you know, I was, you know, I looked physically healthy, but I was not. And he goes, the moment that the, the flip that switched in his head was when, his cardiologist told him, look, um, is, I, hope, I hope you have uh, alternative plans. He goes, alternative plans for what? Oh, well, um, for, for the woman that, uh, for, the, for the man that's going to uh, take your daughter down the aisle because you're not going to be around. So essentially, he's basically saying like someone else is going to marry your wife and carry your daughter down the aisle. And he basically called him out, right? So oh my these are the kind of things that like, you know, uh, that, that, that turn, turn things on. So, but go, go back yeah. to what you're saying, but yeah, no, I mean, honestly, that, that is, that's fantastic. And you're talking about this energy, right. Just to kind of play off that even more. I remember just reading, uh, uh, Steve Schwarzman, the CEO and the founder of Blackstone, right. One of the things that kind of, he didn't really emphasize this, but one of the things that, that stuck out to me, um, near the end of that book is he just talks about, he was a, he's extremely high energy, Right. I mean, he's, he just, that's his personality and that's what he has trained himself to just have a, an exorbitant amount of energy all the time. And he credits a bunch of different people, right. Including his, his, uh, uh, his physical trainer, you know, and a bunch of other people. And, and so that it's funny how all of that just kind of builds and that you say that, cause that was, it was almost like a side note in the book, but for some reason it just, it stuck with me and it clicked in my head. Hey, yeah. Energy. So I, I like what you said there. Uh, one of the things I want to kind of get into a little bit, though, I mean, you you probably spent, I mean, I would guess hundreds of thousands of dollars, years of your life becoming a doctor. Um, and then you started making this transition, uh, you know, not wholly. And, and I think probably once a doctor, always a doctor. Right. And so but but there was this transition period that you that you were kind of making on industry. 
how did you how did you deal with that? How did you balance that between having a family and making a transition from full-time doctor to you know 75% of your time real estate? That was probably a very busy time for you. Yeah, um, it wasn't easy, uh, but it was like, you know, it, it was sort of like I, I didn't I didn't think this was gonna be my full-time thing. It was just sort of a side hustle when it got started, but you know, uh, you know, the saying goes, when your side hustle starts trumping your main hustle, you gotta, you gotta consider, you gotta ponder yep. a little bit. You're like, Hey, <laughs> yeah. you know, and, uh, but uh, it, it all comes down to freedom. Uh, Michael, like, you know, what are we all craving? Yeah. We want money. Yeah. We want, you know, all that kind of stuff, but it's really want flexibility. We want freedom. We want this kind of, we don't want anyone to control us. We want to do what we want, how we want, who we want, when we want, you know? And so that's what I was not getting in medicine. And it was also, I, I, the way I was practicing wasn't fulfilling. And so multiple things started stacking. So then it gave me the energy and the drive. And, and in fact, the discontent is really what you need to make a pivot in anything in life. Otherwise Agreed. you will never pivot. So Agreed. once you have that discontent, use it as your friend. And so I, I, I fueled it. So what I did was, look, I had an hour commute to and fro. That's two hours. Literally, it's like, hey, I'm going to talk to brokers on the way in and I'm going to talk to investors on the way out, <laughs> right? And then, and then it was like, oh, okay, how do, I, how do I build a real estate company and have fun in the process? Okay, like I'm a big fan of James Bond. I'm a big fan of like a little bit of Splash. I like, I, like, I like Steve Jobs. I like Elon Musk. I like who are these people I want to emulate, right? So when we launched our, our company, Viking Capital, I'm like, I want to do it in a cool way. So we partnered with Tesla because they were sort, you know, they were still sort of new at that time. Yep. And we did a launch party in one of their showrooms, and people got to drive the new Model S's. Uh, all our our new potential investors, right? That's awesome. And so that's cool. Then we like, all right, um, we need to learn, right? So we tried learning through partners, like, hey, this partner is going to hopefully teach us everything. And then we're like, you know what? They're holding back. They're getting, uh, they're, they're sort of like, you know, they're they're getting uh, jealous. They're, you know, so we're like, you know what? We need to, we need to just pay for it. We just get. So we found for mentorship, we got coaches, we started reading about it. Then, you know, then it was about relationships. You know, I'm good at rate creating relationships. I need to create relationships. Who controls deals? Brokers. All right, let's go down to Atlanta. And so one of my famous stories that I tell often is this, um, it's like, uh, you know, I was trying to break through into the multifamily game and, and we were not getting that kind of traction. And we had done a couple of deals, but, you know, we weren't well, really well known in Atlanta yet. And so uh, I, I called my dad, Hey dad, uh, you know, uh, go to the liquor store. He goes, why? Don't worry about it. Just get what I want. Okay. Got it. <laughs> I, I, I flew in from DC, landed in Atlanta at the airport. He picked me up. Um, he goes, did you get what I needed? Yeah. I'm like, good. Okay. I'm going to drop you off. I need to go. So I, I flew to the, uh, I, I drove to the property. We did the tour. The broker took us out for lunch. I'm like, great. Thank you. Awesome. Um, Hey, you know what? I, I got something for you. And I ran out to the car got got the package and i brought it to the table and i opened it up and i'm like here you go he's like what is this this is what this is uncalled for and then so i essentially uh i i i took him a bottle of dom perion and awesome. i was like look when we uh when we close our next deal in the next few weeks you can you can pop this right and then six weeks later i get the deal for 25 million this was one of our our our, our amazing deals we've ever done it was, uh, we bought in 2019, 25 million. We just got the appraisal back 45 million. Oh, awesome. All for fantastic. one bottle of Dom, which is, that was a good investment. <laughs> good, good ROI. I was going to say, that's, so, that's an excellent so, ROI. So what, back to what you're saying, coaching, mentoring, 
um, nights and weekends using what I call net time, no extra time, right? Like, you know, all this garbage time, maintaining my state, like working out, uh, journaling, vision boarding, uh, you know, just, just trying to make it happen, man. Just hustling. Right. I love At it. At the beginning, that's all you have. You got to hustle. And then later on, we get the flow. We get the sophistication. You get the, you get the, you know, you don't push so hard, you know, and let it come to you. But at the beginning, you just got hustle. So, yeah, that's no, that's, I, I completely agree. I'm kind of laughing to myself over here because, um, right, four years ago, we've been around for a long time. Uh, but, but four years ago, we had 10 million in the development pipeline. And, and right now, we have 160 million in the development pipeline. And if all of our projects uh, that are under contract get past due diligence, we, we will likely go to 300 million in the development pipeline. And, and I was talking with someone today, it was actually uh, with CBR Capital Markets, um, just kind of having a conversation. There's just a guy over there that I talk to on a regular basis. And he was kind of asking me like, how, 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 how did you get there? And I was kind of laughing to myself. I was like, you know what? To be honest, it's just, we just hustled. Like we're just been super scrappy. We get it. We just get it all done. We do what we have to. And that's how we've gotten that exponential growth through the last four years. And, you know, and, and so it's kind of funny that you say that because that, that, uh, that resonates very personally with me in our situation right now. So, I mean, you were talking about freedoms and Vic, I'd love to, I'd love to get in. You talk a little bit about something called the five freedoms. Um, and I've heard you relate this in other, uh, arenas and other podcasts. I'd love to hear about these five freedoms. You know, uh, a lot of people say, Hey, you know, I'm just chasing the dollar. You know, I really want to have that financial security. I'm like, I get it, you know, but, um, when you, when you do get it, but you don't have the other freedoms, it's sort of meaningless. And I'll give you an example. I know, I know a lot of people who have seven figure, you know, net worth or seven figure incomes, but they're like chained to either a location or a desk or, or a situation. They're not necessarily happy. Like, uh, I have a, I have friends that they own like multiple medical clinics all over the country, you know, all over the, the region. And it, even when they're on vacation, they're like looking at their phone. They're like, you know, Oh, Oh. And then yep. they're like all taking calls in the morning. They're on, they're checking emails. They're not disconnected. They cannot. So they're not free. They're not really owners. I would say they're operators, man. And so my goal is not only to have the financial freedom and, and let's, let's, let's be, let's be clear. It's financial abundance, right? We're, we're at the point where, you should not have to work for a whole year or two years or whatever and still be okay. That very few people can say they can do that, right? A lot of people who are high income are also high expense. And so they're really that yep. really luxury paycheck to paycheck, if you want to call it that. <laughs> so ne next is really, uh, it's really that time freedom. If you can have time freedom plus financial freedom, I would say you're 80% of the way there, right? And I like to throw in geographic or location freedom. Like you're in beautiful Salt Lake City. Like how, how, how amazing would it be to like go live out there for six months, you know, do and, 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 and then go to Hawaii and then go to wherever, Texas, wherever you yeah. want to go, right? Imagine not having any restrictions. And many of the people I coach and work with, uh, they're, they're executives, they're, they're doctors, they're, they're lawyers, they have the golden handcuffs. And either they have the golden handcuffs, meaning they're comfortable, but they're not truly free they're not truly wealthy they're not truly doing what they're passionate about they're sort of doing it because it's a good paycheck yep we don't want that that's that's sort of a half life and and uh, and and so i think people deserve more so time freedom uh uh location freedom financial freedom and then the two others are the most important i think it's a mindset freedom being completely unshakable like michael 
resilient. Like you, you're, you, you've had people, business partners who screwed you. Like I've had them as well. Like um, having the capabilities, just persevere through that. You know what? Uh, my children, like one of my kids had COVID. We're, you know, we're, I was, I was there supporting him, making sure he's good going through all that, you know, um, if, if a family member has financial difficulties, okay, good. I got you. Let's go. We can help you yeah. out. Yeah. Like nothing can sort of shake you. That's that unshakableness is what I, what, what, what I'm craving. And I call that mindset freedom. And the final one is vitality freedom. That's like, Hey, you're either you're sick, then you got to get to the st strong stability. And if you're stable, you're okay. According to your doctors, but you have low energy. You're not playing full out with your kids. You're not playing full out with your faith or with your wife or with whoever that then you're, you're, you're not, you're not fully alive. And so I want like, dude, I'm, I'm climbing Mount Kilimanjaro next year. I've done Pike speak just now. Oh, awesome. Uh, I'm, I'm doing, you know, I do Muay Thai kickboxing. I do yoga. I, I, I want to feel alive. I want to feel healthy. I want to live beyond a hundred and cause there's so much to do on this earth. And I, I feel like there's so much impact. We want to have the charities. We want to, the family foundations we want to start. You need energy, you need health, you need vitality. So those are my five freedoms. And once I realized that's what I'm chasing, that's my true North Star, it's really made life more fun. It's more more invigorating. And, and I, I think it's a good goal for people. I think, I think that's awesome, right? And I love how you've incorporated, you know, so many different aspects. And, and that's honestly a theme that, I, that I've been hearing. I mean, we've had a, a couple of different people who've been uh, doing some coaching you know, coming on lately, uh, you know, Trevor McGregor, uh, Jerome Myers, right. And, and these people, one of the common themes, you know, including with what you're saying right now is it's not all about the money. That's really, really important. But one of the interesting things is if you get the money and everything else in your life is a mess, you, you're probably not going to end up very happy in life or fulfilled or feel like you were a success. And, and, and so I love how you encompass all of those things. Now, from your experience, what for you was the hardest one of those freedoms to achieve or that you're currently still working on? What do you feel like has been the most uh, difficult, the biggest mountain to climb? Uh, I'd say uh, there's two of them. I'd say mindset and I would say location, right? Those are the two big ones. And I think, uh, you know, COVID, you know, it always, it has this, like, it's, it's sort of the great reset. It's sort of gave, given people an opportunity to really say, hey, I don't need to be chained to my desk, to a cubicle or to a, a physical location. And so COVID has given people a reason not, not to be, uh, to be able to be free lo location-wise. And then mindset, I think I'm always going to work on. I, I, I believe at times I feel like I have it, but other times, man, I don't got it. So I'll be <laughs> honest. I'll be honest with you. It's like, it's, it's a labor of love. I mean, you know, uh, you know, Trevor has been a, a dear friend of mine and, and, and one of my business coaches and mentors, you know, I, I have like six people who I sort of are my inner circle that I lean upon. And, and it's, I've done a lot of work and there's something called head trash, Michael, and we all have it. Yep. And, and you think you can just empty out in one year and you're done. No, it's, it's an annual process. It's, it's a quarterly, it's a daily process. So <laughs> your executives who want to take it to the next level, your real estate investors, the business owners, the people who listen to your podcast, guys, invest time, energy, focus on taking care of that, uh, your mental space and, and really priming it for success. And, you know, morning routines, you know, power routines, all of that helps uh, to do this, reading the right books, 
like uh, you want to keep dumping good stuff in there and almost crowding out the negativity because the negativity automatically seeps in. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And it's going to come in. So I, I love what you're saying that the mindset is an ongoing process. I think anybody who says they've reached, you know, the pinnacle of the perfect mindset uh, probably probably hasn't to be honest is probably the person that uh that you shouldn't be taking the advice from because it's something that we all constantly have to work i mean we're constantly getting bombarded with all sorts of stuff right and mindset is is i think you're continually working on it so i think you're exactly right i know in my case that's how i feel i mean uh, i it doesn't matter uh i've had times of of um of honestly insane success and i've had times of what felt like insane failure and and the mindset was never perfect at either of those points in my life, right? It's, it's something that you're continually working on. And so I love that, that you'd mentioned that. Well, kind of transitioning a little bit into some of the real estate, right? Tell us a little bit about what you've been up to lately. What are some of the deals that you've been doing? Uh, what are the things that you're looking at right now? Yeah, um, once we decided like really the, what is our core business business model and you know we've, we've sort of stuck to it and uh, you know, as I transition to more like really like I want to become this true CEO of Viking Capital, I really want to push our company to that next level. Uh, one of the big, biggest things we did was incorporate a business system operating system, which you may know as well, uh, Traction EOS, uh, Gina Wickman. And that we got an implementer in our company. We actually, you know, awesome. strategize it out. So we got a 10 year vision for our company. Now we, now we really know how we want to grow Viking Capital. So we decided, hey, what do we want to be known for? We want to be known for, you know, sort of. Uh, uh, impact-driven multifamily investment boutique firm, right? And and we want to sort of uh, be known in these markets. We want to take care of this type of investors or, the, you know, these group of investors, if you will. And, and so now we're starting to do big deals. We're trying to do freak, more frequency of deals. Also, we realize we need to grow a team. So we created a director of investor relations. We have an a- asset manager now in-house. We have, uh, you know, uh, a whole invest, uh, you know, marketing team, um, uh, we're trying to get out there on social media. We, you know, our podcast, we're trying to get launched. Um, where we did our first live event, Michael. So we did that in Atlanta just oh, a couple awesome. of weeks ago. Uh, so multifamily immersion line, we had a, a shark tank, we had a, a bus tour. We had uh, uh, the top speakers come in. Whitney Sewell came in to speak. So it was, it was uh-huh. amazing. So, so these are the kind of things that we're trying to do. And, and it's really about just uh, growing our investor base. And uh, once we grow our investor base, it's also growing our deal flow. So now, we were really predominantly in Atlanta. Now we're doing northern northern Florida, Atlanta, um, the Carolinas, um, and, and it's Dallas, Houston, Austin, and San Antonio. And so, and then we we'd love to get to Phoenix. We just it's been a tough market to break into, but those are some of the, the markets we like. <laughs> well, you and I can talk because we uh, we like the Phoenix yeah. market over here. Well, that's yeah. no, that's uh, that's awesome. So one of the things I want to I've heard a lot about, and you're talking about EOS, right? The Entrepreneur Operating Absolutely. System. Okay. Yes. I, I want to dig into that because I've heard so much about it. And yet, and I think probably a lot of our listeners have been exposed to it in, in some form or fashion. For anyone listening, we will put a little bit, little bio, a little information in here on EOS. So if this is the first time you're hearing about it, you can link to it. Uh, but tell us about EOS uh, and talk to me about implementing that. And, and then I want to get into, was it worth it? So talk to us a little bit about what EOS was, you know, why did you decide to do it and what you were trying to get it to accomplish for you? Yes. Um, you, you know, uh, 
most people, when they start businesses, it's sort of like, you know, mom and pop style, like you sort of, you know, back of the napkin kind of business plan. And we just hope and pray that we're going to do well. And we'll just give it like the all sweat equity. That's because that's all the equity we have probably at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Right. So, and that's great. And that's a good starting point. Like um, uh, I went to uh, uh, business mastery with Tony Robbins the other day and, and it was cool what he talked about, which is the 10 stages of life cycle of a business. And if I can share that with some of your listeners, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, it, you know, you start with birth, right? Then it's infancy, then it's toddler. And, and it's like teenager. I'll give an example of like uh, a toddler, for example. It's like management by crisis, right? You, uh, uh, business sort of walks and talks on its own, have begun to build a management team. Business still relies on you for all core decisions. Uh, everything's accelerated, but cash flow is still a concern. So that's like a stage, right? Yeah. In toddler. So, uh, and, and so when you can think about it like that, there's all these different stages. And I didn't realize that's how businesses are. So it's really these different stages. Where are you right now? And how do you get to that next stage? And what are the threats or the concerns on the stage you're in? And what's going to prevent you from making that shift? And so once I realized that, it was like, it's a no brainer. We need someone to sort of be a business, not just a business coach. You can get a business coach, but you need an operating system to run. And there's, there's a couple of them out there. Uh, Vern Harnish, uh, Scaling Up. Um, there's E-Myth Revisited with um, mm -hmm. Michael, Michael Gerber. Then there's, uh, you know, obviously Gino Wickman's EOS. It doesn't matter what you use. Stick to one thing and then use that system, right? And, and, and that's, that's been critical because it allowed us to go from four people in our company to almost 14, right? In a short amount of time. And it's yeah, because we awesome. had, we're able to grow revenue, uh, have projects, start delegating and elevating versus me doing everything or Ravi doing everything. <laughs> and then the other thing was when we first started, we we're both like buddies, right? We we're both friends and we're like, okay, you, we both sort of wanted to be the CEO, but we didn't want to offend the other person. So we know one was the CEO. <laughs> and so we were, I was like the chief growth officer and he was the chief, like, maintenance officer i was like all right whatever those bad <laughs> and, and and it really it did us a disservice because you know there's really this concept of the visionary and the integrator in business and so a visionary is a person who who, who thinks big relationships charismatic uh, i mean both people can be charismatic but it's really this you know they they, they sort of have an idea where they want to do and they, they have more a lot, a lot of energy but they execution is their weakness the integrator has an amazing executor. They can really bring the teams together. They can run the, the systems and they can execute and get things done. So either one is great, but together they're amazing. And that's yep. exactly what we, we realized what we were. We embraced our roles. And since then, we've really taken off. That's, that's fantastic. And I, and I see that all the time. And I'm trying to remember which book uh, was the book that I first read this on that, that was kind of my aha moment on having uh having those two parties joined together. I can't remember if it was start with why. Um, Rocket fuel, I think was the other one. Rocket that, that fuel. It, yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, that was probably it. I, I, uh, I remember reading it probably five or six years ago. No, but that's, that's awesome. So you were looking to, to take, to use EOS to help get you to the next level. Uh, now here's the question. When did you do this? Are you still going uh, through it? We did it last year. Um, and, and, Technically, we're quote unquote done with it, but uh, we're still using them because we want to keep growing. Well, and, uh, I want to hear, yeah. how do you feel? Do you feel like it was successful or it's been successful thus far? Uh, was it worth it for you? Uh, it was highly successful because um, it, not only for us, but it, it, it gave uh, a structure for my team. Because like, I, you know, we've been reading business books for years, right? So we always yep. indulge in, but 
it also, it forces you because four times a year, you literally shut the company down. I mean, you, you the company still runs quote unquote, but literally everyone, we, we go to a, we, everyone flies into DC. We, we, we go to a, we rent out a hotel, a conference room and we sit and we work on the business and we handle awesome. problems that have been, you know, you know, sort of simmering in the business that we don't, we've just been you know putting under the cover or under the rug. We actually flush everything out. It's very honest, transparent. Like people call me out. It, it's, it's, and it's sort of egalitarian in that sense. Every, anyone can call anyone else out. Anyone else can praise anyone. And, and there's a facilitator who's third party who can run the whole thing. So it's not like the CEO is running it or the CEO, you know, yep. and it's a safe environment. So people feel like they can, you know, grow. And, and it, it's some emotional times. It, it's, it, there's, there's times where uh, when we had employees saying, hey, I want to go to it anymore. But now she's like, oh, man, I'm so glad. I, I, I was able to work through this and now, and she's now elevating our company because of the transition and the edu and the, and sort of the transformation she's made as a leader now. That's so awesome. it, it's, it's highly recommended guys. You can do it on your own and, and maybe that's a, that's a good starting step. But if you're of a reasonable size, maybe, you know, you're starting to make seven figures of revenue. It's a, it's a good investment to consider. That, that is phenomenal. So I'm, I'm for anybody listening, uh, if you're trying to scale your business, whatever you're trying to do, uh, highly recommend. I've heard all about, I've actually, uh, you're making me think that I might need to go, uh, go look into some of this Vic. So I'm, uh, you got me excited about that. We're kind of going in, you know, into the real estate more, you know, what do you, what do you, there's a lot of real estate operators out there. There's a lot of people raising capital, you know, what do you feel like sets you apart, um, from the rest of the people out there? You know, uh, we know a lot of the same people, uh, uh, Michael, and I think we're in such a good industry. Uh, there's a lot of rep reputable people, a lot of credible people out there. Uh, I think what sets us apart is um, uh, I think the service, the customer service we want to provide. It's like, you know, we joke that we're like sort of a luxury startup. Like <laughs> we want to provide like, I mean, you know, we, we give investor gifts no matter what deal they've ever done with us. We, we, we have a, you know, thank you cards. We talk to them on the phone. We educate them a ton. And so they feel like, even though we're starting to get to the point where we're more institutional level, institutional level deals. I mean, we just took down that $76 million deal in Indiana. Um, you know, we've raised a hundred million dollars of private equity so far. Uh, we still, you know, like people can call us directly and, and, and speak to us. And it's that intimate touch that people crave. And it's also the caliber of our investors is quite high because they're, they're attracted to what, you know, what, what, what we've done. Like, they, they know we've been in the grind as, as a W2 earner, as a high income yep. earner. And so they know that they can sort of trust us because, you know, we're going to treat their money like our money. And, and um, the other good thing is this, a lot of people, they live and die by what they're earning on their, on their deals. You know, knock on wood, we've been successful in other categories and fields. So I don't need this money to, do, to, to live and take care of my family, but I, I, I you know, it's enjoyable and I, I want to earn it because I, I've provided value to my customers and my clients, but that that's that's sort of the difference and so there's no desperation there's no none of that it's 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 a goodwill it's high quality and it's also what we do with our money right we are uh, uh we do wellness wednesdays on all our properties where we literally improve the uh the health of our tenants uh we we buy backpacks to uh you know kids who can't afford it in a lot of the properties we uh uh we do green energy projects we do solar we try to do solar on some of the roofs we've done uh Water, water saving strategy. So it, it, it's impact, it's income, it's community, uh, it, it's, it's, cus it's customer client, client care and customer service, a high touch. 
That's, that's awesome. Well, and with you doing so much multifamily, I got to ask, because one of the questions uh, that I get all of the time is related to two things. And, and it's really, it's wrapped up in one thing. And that is, where are we at in the market? Right? I mean, what are everyone, you know, for the last two years, almost everyone's been saying we're at the top, we're at the top, right? And some of the experts will say other things, right? Hey, we're not at the top. Uh, there's still a lot of runway ahead of us. Uh, you know, people are feeling like cap rates are compressed. What is where, give us your crystal ball for a second, just pull that out for me. And, and I think it'd be really insightful for our listeners to hear, you know, what's your opinion and your crystal ball on where we're at at the market and what's going on right now? Yeah, Michael, that's a fantastic question. And, you know, if I, if I really locked in on the answer, man, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be worth a lot more, but, uh, <laughs> but here, here's, here, here's, here's my, uh, my best, uh, uh, sort of hypothesis. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to be on a panel panel this Friday with, uh, the Bain Capital head of real estate, as well as um, Graystar and, and and two really big developers, uh, Radco, as well as uh, what's the other one? There's one more, but and Seabury is hosting this panel, and and so we had a, a a dry run last week, and we were talking about the same topic, and, and that's mm -hmm. why I'm glad you brought it up, and and there was a discussion going on in the room, and the, here's what the consensus was, and these are like, I mean, this is like probably eight billion dollars of of investable equity from the top institutions and their best decision makers at the table. And, yep. and what, what, they, what they sort of hinted at is they expect, uh, obviously this can't be sustainable, uh, but they expect the sort of correction slowdown, a true uh, shift in the market to happen at the end of 2022. Awesome. And so that's, All right. they're, they're, that, that's what they're sort of putting into underwriting. This is what they're factoring in. And, and this is, this is what they're going with. And so, it gives me, it gives me, so what I've done and how I've adjusted my underwriting and how we've adjusted our acquisitions process is this. We're still buying deals. We're factoring in something that's going to happen in year two or year three. Um, and, and if we need to hold it longer, so be it. We're protecting ourselves against uh, the interest rate hike that's going to happen by right now. Agency debt does not make sense, Michael. Um, yeah. Yeah. At least, at least in the, our multifamily market. And so yeah. we are doing private debt or, or, or bridge debt. And what we're doing is we're buying the tightest cap possible on that. Uh, and we're paying for it because it's worth it. We, we don't want to have that, that, that jump in interest rates. And number two, what we're doing is those cash reserves. And number three is we're delaying our CapEx uh, strategy and riding the surge of rent bumps for the first 12 months, maybe 18 months, and okay. then earning the remaining premium through a value add that's more of a staggered value add. I love it. Well, and so... There you have it. I mean, there's some of the items. So I'd love to hear kind of what, you know, your anticipation end of 2022. Obviously, there's a, I mean, with the names you mentioned, there was a lot of firepower in, in that room um, related to what the consensus that they came up with. So I, and I, and I completely agree. That's kind of what I'm hearing as well. Um, if everyone could take out their crystal ball, everyone's looking like, hey, we think we still have some runway for probably a year to two years. Um, then things are likely going to start tapering off and, and nobody knows, right. Hey, is this going to be a huge major drop down? Uh, you know, it's, it's hard to say. Um, a lot of people are still a little bit scarred from 2008. So everybody's just waiting for everything to drop by 50%. Uh, you know, my personal opinion, and I, and I'd love to hear what yours is, isn't that probably that we're not going to have another great recession, 
right? It's probably not going to be like everything's just going to drop 50%. It'll more be of a slowdown, you know, a regular, a regular downturn that just happens in an economy that's structured the way that ours is structured. What's your thoughts on that? Are you anticipating a large drop in your underwriting? Are you anticipating just kind of a slowdown? Yeah, uh, I, I think uh, we've seen there's different kind of flavors of Fed. Uh, and the Fed we have now is much more interventionary, uh, in, in, in our, you know, more, much more aggressive. If the Fed acts, uh, the, the kind of Fed we had now is in place in 2008, we wouldn't have had such a severe uh, slowdown. We would have probably had more of a moderate or even a mild, you know. Mm-hmm. And so uh, because I, I believe the, the Fed will intervene again, it, even if there is something, it's going to be more mitigated. And I expect maybe a uh, pullback or a correction, but in, in hot areas, you're still going to see three to 5%, three to 4% rent growth, you know, uh, yeah. versus stagnation, which we saw for 18, like in the, from, from my understanding of what happened during 2008, cause I was not in multifamily then, but from what I, I was, I've, I've told, I've been told from brokers and, 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 and institutional buyers, they saw an 18 month stagnation and then things went, went, you know, on the upward, upward yep. trend. So yeah. if that's the worst case scenario, and this will probably be maybe more of a six state, maybe 12 months, you know, slowdown at most, and it won't be as severe. Maybe it'll be like slower rent growth versus stagnation. That's what I'm factoring into my, my, my projections. That's, that's awesome. No. And I love, I love to hear that. Well, there you have it, everyone, right? Here's the, here's Vic's crystal ball on what he thinks is going to happen. And, and honestly, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. And that's, that's what I'm hearing as well. Um, every time I get asked this question, I, I always relay, well, you know, I'm no, uh, I'm kind of like you. I, uh, if I could answer that question and have a sure answer, uh, you know, I probably wouldn't be where I'm at. I'd probably be uh, <laughs> out in Hawaii just hanging out. Cause I would make so m- I could make so much money doing that. I wouldn't need to do anything else, <laughs> you know? So, absolutely. but yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think what you're saying is, is absolutely um, spot on, especially in that multifamily space. I mean, it's funny. I remember even two, three years ago, uh, if you started, if you were underwriting things over three to 4%, it was kind of like, Whoa, what are you doing? That's crazy. And, and now all of a sudden it's like, we've had an average of like, you know, in, especially in the markets that I'm in, you know, 10 to 20% increases on an yeah. annual basis. And it's like, you're right. 5%. And you're almost like, man, this isn't even realistic at 5%. Cause we've been, in, you know, it's not, obviously it's not going to grow at 20% for forever. Uh, but it's like, man, should I put a 20% year one? And we don't do this. I mean, we usually yeah. cap it off right around 5%, but it's, right. it's interesting how that has, how that has shifted. Right. Um, and so, but I like what you're doing. Cause you're on the back end. You're saying, Hey, we know there's going to be a correction. And the more you factor that in uh, hopefully the more accurate your underwriting can be. Um, and the better your predictions are. Uh, Vic, it was, it was awesome. Right on, having you. We're going to kind of wrap things up here. I got a couple of questions for you uh, that we ask every single guest that comes on this show. Number one, <laughs> what is the best business advice you were ever given? The best business advice is, uh, and I've, I've actually uh, seen this come, come to fruition is this. Um, don't take advice from someone who hasn't been in where you want to go. So I have had, so many folks who try to tell me, oh, real estate's a scary, it's, it doesn't make sense, multifamily, oh, you're, bar- you're, 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 you're raising capital from people, what happens if you lose their money? I'm like, look, like, you know, if, if you learn, get mentorship, do it the right way, 
figure out how to do it, you know, minimize your mistakes, asymmetrical risk reward, you're going to be fine. And, and because I didn't listen to those folks, I am where I am today. So I love it. Yeah. That is, that is fantastic advice. Whether it's, whether it's getting into real estate investing or any business, right? I, I love that approach of, Hey, we're going to do the best that we can, you know, get all the research, make all of the right decisions, but we're not going to get analysis paralysis, right? There, there has to be a level of, of trust, you know, this leap of faith, if you will, that says, I'm going to, I, I know everything that I'm going to figure out without actually doing it. And now I'm going to go and move into the next step. I listened to everybody who knew what they were talking about and, and it's go time. So I love that. That is excellent advice, whether it's real estate investing or, or any other type of business. Uh, next question, what real estate investing advice would you give other business owners and business executives? You should invest in real estate and I want them to follow the 20% rule. So, um, you know, the S&P has always done great, you know, seven, eight, 10%. But what they did is they took the S&P and they compared it to the S&P with people who did 20% in alternative asset classes, including multifamily. And then what they found is if they follow the 20% rule, uh, there's a 2x return for people who had that, you know, the index plus the 20% alternatives versus just straight up S&P. So just something to think about, uh, diversify, you know, and, and, and get those returns. I love it. Uh, Vikram, how can people get in touch with you? Yeah. Uh, our website for Viking Capital is uh, vikingmultifamily.com. So please check us out there. Uh, if you're, get on our investor list, um, you know, um, get into our, our ecosystem. We'd love to be part of it. If you want to get in touch with me personally, love to reach out to anybody who's interested. Uh, you can get me on DM on LinkedIn. I have a website linkwithvic.com and takes me straight to my LinkedIn. So linkwithvik.com. Love it. That is awesome. Well, Vikram, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, appreciate your insights into multifamily, into business. Uh, and it was all very insightful. Thank you. Thanks, Michael. Thank you for listening to the Executive Real Estate Investing Show. Ready to learn more? Go to executivereishow.com for more episodes and resources to help you create generational wealth through real estate investing. That's executivereishow.com.